Scaling your law firm doesn't have to be difficult. It's all about mastering a few key strategies, systems, and mindsets. Welcome to the Scalable Law Podcast, where we talk about how you can increase profit in your pocket and time in your calendar. My name is Carolee Fontanelli, and I have successfully scaled my firm so that it doesn't solely rely on me. Now I love teaching other law firm owners how to do the same. Let's transform your business starting now. Welcome to the Scalable Law Podcast. Today we have a very special guest on the podcast. Her story is absolutely incredible and empowering. If you are a law firm owner at any stage, or if you're thinking about going out on your own, this is definitely a podcast for you. Today, we have Ren Kim from Ren Kim Law on the podcast. Now, what makes her super special is that she has grown her law firm from zero to a team of 10 in the last three years. And um, not only that, but she is also in a area of law that is particularly challenging to get started in, and that is in personal injury, injury law. So um, Rin's story is really amazing. She is one of our uh, accelerator participants in the um, Scalable Law Program, and she's just doing amazing things, and she's got a really great vision for her firm. So I hope you enjoy listening to the podcast as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. If you would love to know more about joining either the Accelerator Program, which is for law firm owners that have a turnover of more than a million dollars and a team of more than five people, or Scalable Law, which is from your startup to your million dollars, then I would love to have a chat with you. Head on over to scalablelaw.com and make an appointment to talk with me. We will come up with a strategy together and work out how you can get your firm to the next level in the next 12 months. So for now, let me hand over to the interview I did with Rin Kim. So I would love to welcome Rin Kim to the podcast I'm super excited to have you on the podcast, Ren, um, because I've learned lots since I've been working with you and I love what you've created. And I really think that a lot of people will really enjoy your story and it will be super inspirational. So thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> You're <Yeah>. welcome. <laughs> so um, tell us about, because your firm isn't that old, um, but you've already, you know, you haven't been going that long yet. But you've already created an incredible presence and a massive success for yourself. So tell us a little bit about um, where you're located, uh, when you started your firm and what practice area you're in. Yeah, so we are based here in the Brisbane City. And um, I started the law practice in, um, so it was exactly three years ago. And we only specialize in personal injuries law. And it's already a team of nine, so which is wow. quite Yeah. That's amazing. So that's a really huge growth in only three years. Uh, I bet you found some of it really exciting, but I also bet you found some of it challenging as well. What do you think has been sort of the biggest challenge with growing so fast? 
Uh, I think the biggest challenge will be um, because of the nature of a personal injuries industry. Um, I had to really watch carefully when it came down to cash flow. Yes. And also just dealing with the multiple personalities in a team. Because, you know, like it was, it's my first time being a director of a company, managing a team of like certain size. Uh, it's quite different compared to when I was a manager as well. Yes. So, yeah. So um, you're, you've niched down into personal injury, which I'm really interested to talk about because I do talk to a lot of personal injury lawyers who mm. really want to go out on their own, but there's so much fear, particularly with personal injury law around, yeah. like you said, that cash flow, because you're getting clients in the door, but then it might be, I don't know how long it takes to get a settlement, but it might be six or or 12 or 24 months before you get a settlement, which means that you don't get paid for that long. So how have you managed that? And what would be your advice to anyone sort of in personal injury wanting to go out on their own? Um, so... <laughs> I guess uh, it was really easy for me to just to start on my own right away because uh, I actually don't have any kids. So I only got my cat. I just needed to worry about feed, feed you know, just to need to feed myself and my cat. And, yes. Um, I do have a mortgage, but I mean, um, yeah, I was thinking, uh, yeah, let's, I, I just did had a very low expectation to begin with because I think if you just really you know set yourself high up then you know you might be disappointed in the beginning and um it's like a long journey like yes ending journey um and yeah I just uh, lived really frugally in the beginning didn't spend a lot you know had a lot of uh, ramen noodles <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so with um with that, um, when did you employ your first full-time person in your firm? Because that's a big step, right? Yeah, so that happened actually not that long ago, um, which would have been uh it, it was only two or three months after I started my practice. Yeah, you realized you needed some help. That's when it got to a point to where I couldn't juggle everything at the same time because I was staying up to like 2 a.m. every single day. <laughs> Eating ramen noodles. <laughs> Just, you know, juggling, like, you know, working on clients' files. Yeah. 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 So who was the first employee? Was that a lawyer or was that an admin assistant? Um, he was a junior lawyer and... I mean, looking back, I think I should have really hired a very experienced senior lawyer instead. Yes. Because, I mean, he was great, but um, I really needed someone to just, you know, uh, who, who was able to help me out with the file work. But yes. I had to like train him and it was a bit frustrating. <laughs> yes. And I think that that's a big mistake that a lot of law firm owners make because, and I can see why people do do that. And it's because it's a lot less expensive and it seems less risky. But then the difficulty is, is that because you're then spending a lot more time training, you're not necessarily freeing up your time. I know. So, I mean, it worked out in the end, but 
if I go back in time, then I would probably hire someone really experienced. Yeah, right. I um I definitely agree with you. That's exactly what I would do as well is get the experienced person and um and not so much someone who you need to spend a lot of a lot of time with. So yeah. when I'm looking at your firm online, which I see online all of the time, yep. um, <laughs> you have created a really strong presence and a really strong brand. How have you gone about doing that? Did you have a presence before you went out on your own or is that something that you've really created since you've started your own firm? Um, so before I started my um, law practice, to be honest with you, I never really focused too much on like personal branding or even networking. Um, it's only when I started my company that's when I really focused on that. I think when I first started, I, I try to focus a lot on personal branding because, you know, everyone needs to know what you do. Yes. You just need to promote yourself. <laughs> and I think a lot of lawyers, they're a bit shy about it. Yes. You know, they yeah. don't really want to, you know, start posting a lot and things. I mean, like, I'm a little bit still shy about it, but, you know, like I have no choice because... I'm a company director now. So. <laughs> yes, and you're hungry to be successful, right? Because you know yeah. that's what you've set out set out to do, and um, and obviously um, you're really driven because to get to where you are in only three years is no small task at all. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm very driven. Have big plans, um, and yeah, we're not there yet. So yeah. You're, you're midway or you're in the journey. So when um, when it comes to branding your firm and your own personal brand, mm -hmm. um, what part do you find the most challenging and how do you sort of overcome it? Because you said you still sometimes feel shy, but you know you just have to do it. Um, I think a lot of people in general, they're really scared about, uh, you know, what others would say about them. And there will always be, you know, haters out there. Um, but at the same time, uh, you, you could possibly inspire some people, you know, to be brave as well. Um, so you really should just focus on what you really need to do. Um, think about your vision, you know, what you need to do to get there. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. So your, your practice area is is personal injury but yep. you're also um korean and you're and uh you've created a niche where you employ a lot of korean staff and i'm gathering as well that a lot of your clientele is korean um how much of niching um do you think that that has helped the growth of your business uh, it did help me a lot in the beginning because, as you already know, personal injuries industry, it's very competitive. Mm. Well, I'm sure it's the same thing for family law, but personal injuries, you know, you drive down on the highway, you see multiple, like, signage for, like, PI law firms. Yes. And the large ones in personal injury as well, you know, like, unlike family law, you know, for example, we don't have big competitors in terms of mm. like huge corporations whereas in personal injury law you know you've got some giant publicly listed businesses that you're yeah. with 
So um, I think it did definitely help me a lot. And I do appreciate, you know, all the support that I got from the Korean community. Um, but at the same time, uh, we are more diversified now. Yes. Uh, and that's where my focus is at right now. Um, trying to expand into, uh, you know, multiple other different markets. Yeah. And how are you going about doing that? Um, so we do have a Chinese speaking lawyer, uh, yeah, Benjamin, and uh, he uh, he's now focusing on the Chinese uh, community. And at the same time, we do have a Vietnamese speaking lady. So, you know, I'm trying to, you know, focus more on multicultural like groups at the moment and yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. that's awesome. And I love it because if you if I was a Korean or a Vietnamese or a Chinese living in Brisbane or Australia, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would personally feel so much more comfortable if I could have such this sort of advice in my own language. Mm. Um, so it's actually like really clever the way that you're approaching it. Uh, and I definitely can see that using your culture uh, to niche has made a really like big impact I think on your firm um, which is really really awesome so when you're in your firm because so yep. how many people in your firm are Korean and how many people are, are other um, cultures so I think about half of us we are Korean at the moment and remaining are yeah different well, like I would say just Australian, they were all born here. So yes. yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's a good mix, I would say at the moment. And so do you, how do you deliver your service in terms of depending on the client as to whether you deliver your service in, in English or Korean or how does that work? Yeah, so I guess a client communication, most of our clients actually, they do speak English, but um Koreans in general they even if they do speak English they prefer to talk in Korean yes but, um, they're a bit shy about talking in English so um yeah so we, that's why we've got Korean speaking lawyers Korean speaking legal assistants and we do have some Chinese speaking clients and um if they're not able to let's say communicate in English then the receptionist to, will pretty much just transfer the call directly onto the right person. Yeah, I love that. That's really cool. Um, and yeah, it is great to find a niche. I I always believe that if you can really niche down, um, it can, even though it feels scary to niche, um, mm -hmm. it can actually cause um, a, a lot more success in your firm because people know where to go when they have an issue right yeah because i mean it like what you said there are massive big corporations in the pi industry and it's impossible to compete with them because they're everywhere <laughs> yes. so you just need to find a way to really stand out i think yeah that's it and so you've now got this large team um, and you've never been a company director before how have you found or what's been your biggest sort of learning curve when it comes to leading or growing a team? Oh, I think the biggest challenge would be just uh, wearing multiple hats because 
I mean, it's gotten a lot better because thanks to you, your program, you know, uh, I've managed to put in a, the right system. And now, yeah, I recently I was able to go to Vancouver, Canada and stay there for a um, little more than a week. And, you know, nothing disastrous stuff was happening when I was away. So which that's was- awesome. And you were, even, <laughs> you were even giving some of your initial appointments to some of your team members. Yes, and they did an amazing job. So actually, September was, uh, you know, one of the yeah, biggest months for us for Sina. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and so, so, so delegating and letting go has been a challenge? Uh, just wearing multiple hats, I would say, because, you know, uh, I still have to uh, do a lot of things being a company director, such as like HR manager, bookkeeper. <laughs> yes. Business development manager. So, you know, like, because um, I, I obviously don't have any expertise in those areas, but I I still need to push myself to be. Yeah, there. that's it. And so you've got a big vision for your firm. What does the future hold for Rin Kim Law? Uh, well, like, I think I always tell people that, uh, you know, ultimate goal is for us to become the biggest multicultural law firm here in Brisbane. Um, I know that that's a very big, ambitious goal, but you got to set your goal high. <laughs> you do. And if anyone can do it, I think you can because you're so driven. Uh, thank you. And, and not just that, but... I want to build a company where um, every employee is, uh, you know, happy coming into work and, you know, being able to benefit from the company's success. Because I think, you know, running a company is not all about you, you know, benefiting, you know, taking 100% from the company profit, but rather sharing it with the team. Yes. I mean, it's like a team effort. So they also need to uh, be able to take advantage of the success, I think. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think as a as a company director, uh, as we grow our firm, it becomes less about the clients because we then often, we're not client facing as much because we're doing so many other tasks in the firm. Yeah. Uh, it becomes more about creating impact through your team, right? So creating security and jobs and giving people really good, you know, packages and salaries so that they can have a nice life as well. So what, in terms of remote work and things like that, what have you got in place in, in your firm? Uh, we don't do that at the moment. We used to, but... I'm very old fashioned in that way because I do believe that everyone needs to be in the same space in order to work well as a team. Yes. Yeah, it definitely helps, doesn't it? I think there's there's a lot to be said for being in person um, versus being um, remote and um, just also with juniors and things like that, I've personally found mm-hmm. it really hard to balance their want for being at working from home, but then you then need for training. 
Yeah. I mean, when it comes to very experienced staff, I wouldn't mind them working from home if they live really far away from the office. But I mean, if it's only 15 minutes away from the city, then why don't you just come into the office? Yes. And I've seen on um, social media, uh, you have created a really great like together culture you know you're going out to lunches you're with your team um and you're doing lots of really great you know team building and things like that how how much of an impact do you think that has on the team I think team culture is the you know number one key to the success when it comes to you know building a successful company because, you know, um, everyone needs to get along, but at the same time, they need to have the same goals and vision. Yeah. And uh, I, I think we definitely have that at Winkim Law. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So what is sort of in store for you in the next sort of, say, five years? Where do you, where's the vision for the firm in five years time? Because I know that you don't necessarily want to be just a Brisbane-based firm. Uh, ultimately, I do want it to be more of a national law firm. Like I do want to have an office in Sydney, Melbourne, uh, up in North Queensland, but it, it will cost a lot of money. <laughs> so I guess I'll, I'll just focus on the Brisbane office first and make sure that we can get there. Uh, just baby step at a time. Yes, get all your systems in place so that you can duplicate it really, really simply into the next um, into the next spot. I think um, if every if you can have everything running really well where you're not required anymore, yeah. Um, so more more holidays over to Canada where you can experiment stepping away and seeing how the firm runs without you. When you've got everything running like a well-oiled machine, it's very easy just to duplicate that and put another um, Renkim down in Sydney or Melbourne or wherever it might be. Yeah, that that would be amazing and that is the plan, but I guess I'll see how it goes. (laughs) Well, you are doing amazingly well um, to this point. I think, you know, it's really inspirational starting from zero at to having 10 employees or you know and a big team um it's it's actually really incredible and i think that you downplay how you know successful and how fast it's gone um because you know there's a lot of people still trying to find their feet and within three years and i was certainly one of those people uh where you know the the team wasn't growing as fast as i wanted because I just didn't have the ability or the skills to get there. So you've you've managed to to do that and in a really tricky practice area as well. Because I do think that, you know, mm-hmm. with personal injury, there are real um, you know, cash flow. You've got yeah. you, you have to be careful with all of that because of the way that you get paid. Um yeah. So, so now that you've got your firm to a certain level, do you find that that's all eased up a little bit? Um, I don't really have to worry too much about cash flow at the moment. However, we do have a quite a large team and also, you know, outgoings, it's quite a lot. So yeah. I, I always have, a, have to have, uh, have a close eye on it all the time. And 
have a really good relationship with my accountant, I would say. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I think that could be quite a shock, can't it, when you look at what the break-even point is when your team is larger and mm. you think, holy moly, like I have to make that much. Like mm. three years ago, <laughs> you probably weren't even thinking about making that much at all, let alone that being yeah. the base cost of your expenses. Um, and yeah. can, I mean, feeding a team of of 10 people is expensive that's a huge um salary or wage expense every week not just that but office rent um you know it services marketing fees so on you know and taxes oh that's like yes. the biggest it, expenses <laughs> it really is a killer so when yeah. it comes to marketing what type of marketing are you doing in your firm to bring bring work in the door uh, I think we are pretty much doing everything that what others are doing. Uh, newspaper, website. Uh, also, we just started Google Ads. Um, and how's that going for you? It's okay. Uh, but I feel like I need to go get back into more of a networking. Because yes. Yeah. I haven't really been doing that too much uh, compared to when I first started the law practice. So, yeah, I think it's really important to create valuable relationships with the other professionals. Yes, that's right. So you're doing like a really good sort of mix of organic marketing. You're doing some paid ad marketing and you're also doing networking. And I think I'm exactly the same as you. I've been a little bit slack this last year in terms of getting out there and networking. Um, and you realize that, you know, you're now not getting as many referrals as you could be. So you've got to, you know, dip back in and start, you know, working on that referral network again. Um, but it sounds to me like you haven't put all your ed eggs in one basket to get your firm to the success that it that it is now. You've diversified all your marketing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to be honest with you, it's always in the back of my mind. Oh, are we signing enough people so that, you know, uh, we can feed everyone in the company? Uh, are we settling enough so that, you know, the company is generating enough money? Uh, yes, it's going well for now, but it's constantly in my mind. I'm always thinking about the future. Yes. And it really pushes me to do more and more. Okay, let's do this and that because, you know, um, I need to try harder. And in a way, I think it's good. It motivates me to do more. <laughs> I think what you're describing is I think so many people can relate to that, people who are listening. And it's sort of like business owner anxiety, isn't it? Like yeah. <laughs> what if things dry up or what if I have a really bad month next month or what if... What if, you know, this lucky streak isn't going to keep going? And mm. and I think, you know, it's not that you're on a lucky streak. Uh, it's that you've put in the hard work and you're continuing to put in the hard work. Uh, mm. And that's why you've got the success that you have. And I think that it's really important that we learn as business owners that on this journey, we just have to keep tweaking and, you know, tweaking and moving things forward that way um, rather than sometimes what we do is we think things aren't working so we throw them out um, yeah. but you know tweaking you know you've realized you need to get back out networking again so you know mm. tweak that by 10 percent 
tweak your ads by 10%, tweak yeah. your organic marketing by 10%. And th- those small percentages can make massive, massive improvements in our um, our firm's performance. So yeah, I think you're doing you're doing awesome. And that little bit of anxiety, I think, gives us the hunger to mm. create the success. So it's kind of required in a way. I think it's important to stay humble, like when you're a company director. Because I know that some people out there, once they start making money, they go out and buy crazy stuff and start spending like a billionaire. Yes. And <laughs> and, and I, you, I was just sitting next to someone at lunch the other week and they worked for a practice here on the Gold Coast that yeah. quite a few years ago, it went. they went bankrupt hmm. because they weren't staying humble. They'd get a big settlement and then they'd go and buy something luxurious with it. Yeah, and investing it back into the company, and um, you know, I think investing back in is really important as well. Yes, and I mean, I, I do have a much better lifestyle compared to when I was an employee. However, you're not uh, eating any more ramen noodles. No, no, but I mean, I'm not like you know going out and buying a crazy Lamborghini or you know like some of other. Um, PI lawyers who went crazy with their money and <laughs> lost everything. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Staying humble, I think, is really important. You know, I've noticed as well that that women directors, I we do seem to stay a little more humble um, and cautious. I don't know if it's um, if it's that little bit of anxiety that keeps you cautious, or um, yeah. but you know, making sure that that the longevity is, you know, is there. And that's something that's really important because we are responsible for a lot of people. Yes. And we, I guess, you know, you have to stay humble and not be so arrogant because arrogance will obviously deter so many people away. And like people, they want to work with the others who are like genuine um, and who are likable. So I think it's, I don't know whether people like me, but I, I try my best to, you know, be a like. Well, you're doing um, a great job attracting clients and you're doing a great <laughs> job attracting a, t- a really good solid team. So uh, I would I would say that you're very likable, Ren. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And and it's important because um, because you're exactly right. Like, you know, we do want to, people do want to surround themselves with people, other people who are genuine. Yeah. I think something that's um, probably really appealing um, for your team as well is that you're really genuine, but you also have a vision for your firm mm. where you want to, where you want to take it. And who doesn't want to be part of a firm that's successful and, and got a, a solid vision for the future, which is what you've created. I guess another thing that I wanted to mention was uh, something that happened to me recently. Uh, so I actually have a tendency to just uh, uh, go up to a team member and start like, you know, like uh, if they, let's say, make a mistake and I pick up on it, I get really pissed off right away because I have a very short temper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we have an op- open space office and um so I yeah used to go up to the person and I'll be like oh hey 
like you know what are you doing sort of thing but like I didn't know that that was coming across as a little bit mean yes yeah yeah um, yeah and everyone's I think the thing too is that everyone takes things dif- differently you know mm-hmm. if someone maybe came up to you and said that it wouldn't yeah. be a problem for you but for some people it's too much right well, like a senior lawyer in my company, he did point that out to me. And that's when I realized, oh, no, like, you know, I, I'm being a horrible person. And uh, that's when it really hit me and I was quite emotional about it. And I, I think I really appreciate the fact that he told me about it because like my behavior would have continued on like that, you know, if it wasn't for him. So Yes. So it's all part of the... I think the leadership journey, right? Like hmm. we're not born to lead, um, you know, 10 employees, highly skilled lawyers. Yeah. Um, but you're learning how to, and, and it's only been three years. So it's a really quick growth curve for you. Hmm. So um, it's really awesome that you're able to not be offended at the comment made and rather to learn and think about how you can improve your leadership. Yeah, I think that's really important because, you know, a lot of law firm owners, they probably would have not taken that well. They would be like, oh, you know, like quite offended. But Well, that's hard feedback to hear. You know, it's it's really <laughs> hard feedback when, um, when we hear that we've mm-hmm. upset someone or that our behavior isn't in line with how people want to be treated. Yeah, but that's a kind of, it was a chance for me to look back and, you know, look at myself and uh, reassess how I'm doing. So um, I I get that now and I'll make sure that too, I'll be a better leader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you are in the Accelerator Program in Scalable Law. So tell us what your biggest learnings have been in that program. Uh, setting up the right structure. I think that's been really helpful. Um, well, before I started your program, um, I don't think there was a, you know, there wasn't any real structure in place and I wasn't comfortable enough to the point that I would book a flight to go to Canada. Yes. Since I started your program, I felt, oh, now I can go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So the aim of the accelerator program is to put some structure and some mm. systems in place yeah. so that the firm's not reliant on you because you're not the one doing everything and you've got a system in place that kind of does everything for you as well as um we we do some leadership kind of training in there as well, which I don't I believe it doesn't matter what stage you're at in Mm. your journey as a law firm owner whether you're one year in or whether you're like 30 years in I think there's always new things to learn and more to learn when it comes to leadership because it's it's we run a people business right so it's a massive pace Mm. and it's amazing to be able to talk to like-minded individuals you know on a regular somewhat of a regular basis because all of the other members, um, they're kind of a, at a similar kind of stage within their company. So we we got like a lot of things to talk about and similarities and same concerns. So yes. 
I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, the, the, there is a difference between a law firm owner who's trying to get to their first million, you know, when you're revenue per year, um, you know, because that's you're working on really marketing and getting enough cash flow through the door and, and hiring your first few team members. But when you've grown a team like you have to 10 and you're well over the million dollar a year turnover, um, yeah. then your 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 challenges change. Mm. Um, it becomes, you know, how do I get things off my plate and systemize? How do I delegate out to the team? How do I become a better leader? How do I structure this machine yeah. so that it can be well oiled and run without me? Um, because one of the similarities between everyone in the accelerator program is that mm. they've got really great cash flow, really good turnovers, and really yeah. great teams in place, but they're still all working too hard. Mm. Too yeah. many hours. So the goal is to get your the hours down, you know, get get you on holidays where you don't where you can turn the phone off and you don't have to stress about what's happening yeah. um, back at the office. Or like for me, um, I- I'm not doing as much file work at the moment, which really helps me to do more of like business development and marketing work. Yes. And today, I'm actually going to have a training session with the team on marketing and business development stuff. Um, so I guess it's giving me more time to do things with my team as well. Yeah. Is- yeah. And it takes like you need creative space, right, to put those kinds of things together. Yeah, yeah. Because if I'm constantly doing meetings, you know, file work, then <laughs> it's, yeah, I wouldn't have any time for the other stuff. Exactly. So for everyone who's listening, who would love to uh, look at your website, find you, refer personal injury clients to you, um, or maybe come and work with you, um, where would they find you, Ren? Yeah, um, you can just Google uh, the company name Rinkim Law or, uh, yeah, just add me on LinkedIn and say hi. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, it's been really cool talking to you um, and hearing about your amazing growth and success to this point. I would love to have you back on the podcast and say three years from now and see how things are because I just can feel that it's going to be um you know completely different in three years time because you're not slowing down by any stretch (laughs) lovely to have you on the podcast oh thank you thank you for listening to the scalable law podcast brought to you by the scalable business lounge if you would love to know how you can get more clients without relying on referrals head over to scalablelaw.com to watch my free masterclass Until next time, you have got this.